Well, by now you know he has the fortune of joining the same club that I'm in. We're the only two, in fact, that are in this exquisite grouping as we welcome you back into the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. That's the grouping of being able to say that Trey Lyle is a colleague of ours. And I guess you could say that we uh, lead him in certain ways. I don't know how good of a job I'm doing leading Trey, but uh, you can throw that out there if that's a term that you want to use. Another guy who has that distinction, but with FrenchStretch.com, not the fast lane in the Virginia Talk Radio Network, Tom Bowles. NASCAR writer and reporter for FrontStretch.com. He's with us in the fast lane. Tom, always glad to have you on. Uh, Are you pulling your hair out as often as I am over Trey, or is Trey, as it appears from the Happy Hour podcast and plenty of the other work that he's putting together for you, doing a solid job for FrontStretch.com? Well, what I love to do, Ed, is when you lead Trey in one direction, I lead Trey in the opposite direction. So you just ends up confused. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, get his brain more confused than ever before. Oh, it's there's an amusement level that comes on to that. No, but in all seriousness, you guys have grown quite a bit with FrontStretch.com and the different podcasts that you have. Trey is, of course, part of the Happy Hour podcast as well as regularly appearing here in the Fast Lane, and he's not around right now. He's left the room for a moment, so he's not here to defend himself, so it's the perfect time to make those type of comments. Tom, uh, transitioning from that, and not yet looking at the race that Trey will be in, uh, which is Richmond next weekend. But NASCAR, they're on that northeastern swing. Is it might as we might as well just call it the Martin Truex Jr. swing because he already won at Dover earlier this year. That was a Monday race. He won at New Hampshire this past week. That was a Monday race. Uh, I'm gonna knock on wood. Do the cross myself. It's kind of Catholic light thing as an Episcopalian. Uh, so, you know, I'll go with that one. Uh, that we don't have another Monday race at Pocono, but is it might as well be that if Martin Truex Jr. has a bunch of home tracks, he might as well be winning at all of them. Yeah, Martin Truex Jr. this year has just been exceptional on Mondays. He's not saying that there's anything different he does to prepare, but his first race ever that he won at Dover was on a Monday. And you know, he just has this history of, doing well after rainouts. But you look at the way the number 19 team has uh, performed over the last two months in particular, Ed, I think he's right up there with William Byron now as the championship favorite. I know some would say, oh, it's a little early to kind of look at that. And I do feel like this year is a little bit more wide open than some of the other years that we've had under this playoff system. But, you know, I do think that it's even affecting Truex's future trajectory in the sport because he's gone from somebody that was, struggling to win last year. Remember, Martin Truex Jr. missed the playoffs with the equivalent of a top-10 point season, and now he's coming in with three wins and looks like he would be a serious championship contender at age 43. That's pretty impressive. No doubt about it. I mean, it's been a story that has captured a lot of the fans. I've always appreciated Martin Truex Jr. as a racer because he's flown under the radar. He's maximized uh, oftentimes uh, less than stellar situations and yet gotten something out of them, including uh, the Furniture Row Racing Championship uh, a couple of years ago with the team that was basically going out of business. Uh, And now what he's doing with Joe Gibbs Racing, um, should he be the type of driver that gets as little acclaim as he gets because – it doesn't seem like people gravitate necessarily towards his personality, but in a time where Joe Gibbs Racing has had a lot of balls up in the air, including the sad tragedies uh, over the last couple of years with Joe Gibbs losing both his sons, it's been Martin Trucks Jr. who seems to have provided the most stability. He absolutely has provided the most stability, and, and that's what I think sometimes gets lost 
because Hamlin is the outspoken guy, right? With the podcast and you know, with, also with all of his you know, close but not quite championship runs. He's always the guy that is out front searching for that championship. And I think people sometimes focus on that and ignore a more soft-spoken guy in Truex that if you look at what he's done over the last six or seven years in the sport, he was a guy that his career looked pretty much down for the count when he first met, you know, was linked with Furniture Row Racing with that single-car organization, ends up winning a championship with that single-car team, and then comes over to Joe Gibbs Racing as a contender for the championship four and the championship every year. Remember, he almost won the championship in 2020. He almost won the championship in 2021. You know, uh, I'm sorry, 2019 and 2021. Like, he's a contender pretty much almost every year, and I don't think people have recognized that. And he's done it with two different crew chiefs. He's done it with Cole Pern, and then when Pern left, he had to completely rebuild with James Small, and now they're at the top of their game. And definitely someone within the JGR and Toyota camp that I feel like is their top contender when it comes playoff time in September, October, November. NASCAR Bulls is the Twitter handle and frontstretch.com. That's where you can keep up with his work. Tom Bowles with us here in the fast lane. Tom, Joe Gibbs Racing. Martin Truex Jr. has been the most consistent driver. It's also evidenced by the fact he leads the point standings with uh, going along with the three wins that he has this year. Um, but the rest of that organization right now, is there maybe something lacking with that group that conveniently they could recapture at one of their best tracks, Pocono, this weekend? Well, I think one of the issues going on with JGR right now, Ed, and if I were an internal guy there, my eyebrows would have ticked up after Truex won on Monday. You've got two drivers that people keep saying are going to be with the organization in 2024. And to be fair, this is what I keep hearing, that Truex is having more fun than he's ever had, that Denny just needed some complications worked out in his contract, and he's going to be with JGR for the long term. People are sitting there going, this organization is going to be unchanged. But isn't that what we said last year about Kyle Busch? And if you listen to Martin after his win, he's talking about, well, I don't really know whether I'll be back. I'm really bad at making decisions. But what really got me going was, you know, it would be really cool to go out on top. And not a lot of people get to do that. And I think he's starting to look and go, well, wait a minute. If I'm really going to be a title contender, wouldn't this be amazing if I just win the title and walk away? And I think that's going to be a distraction for JGR as they head into late summer, early fall, if both he and Hamlin remain unsigned, even if it's still somewhat likely they're going to be there because, you know, people are uncertain about what the 2024 lineup looks like. And I also think that Toyota doesn't necessarily have the depth in prospects as some of the other manufacturers do. So in terms of the overall look of JGR, I really think that this could be a big weekend for Hamlin, of course, with his past Pocono success. But I'm looking to see how Christopher Bell bounces back because here's a guy that won the pole at New Hampshire this past weekend, had a 1-2 finish um, in his two previous starts running for JGR, and then you know had all sorts of pit road problems, ends up spinning out, trying to make it back up toward the front, and just never really had the speed that we expected. And I think all year Bell has been a step behind the 11 and the 19, and that's the guy that we thought was going to step up and be the future leader of this organization after making the championship four last year. So I am curious, heading into the last portion of the regular season, how Bell does, you know, heading into the playoffs. 
Tom Bowles. NASCAR Bowles is the Twitter handle, and your latest article at frontstretch.com is one of the many thought pieces that are out there, but this is a really well-done one. It's why we're highlighting it. Uh, And it's on Chase Elliott and the idea of him maybe not getting to victory lane as many people have projected him to do this upcoming season. Uh, Whether it's Chase Elliott, I mean, Trey laughs at me because Ty Gibbs is the guy that I think is about to break through, but even I've cooled off on a guy like Ty Gibbs. You could put others in that category. Daniel Suarez with Trackhouse Racing, Elliott's teammate Alex Bowman in that grouping, among others. Are we at the point with those guys where they need to prove that they can consistently be contending for wins before they're given the benefit of the doubt? Or is there enough pedigree with some of those guys and drivers that they could do what Kevin Harvick did, which is pop up out of nowhere like they did last summer, the number four team, and get to victory lane a couple times in a row even? Well, I think when you're talking about younger guys, Ed, that have not proven themselves yet, like a Ty Gibbs, I think it's really hard to say, A, they're going to win towards the last part of the regular season, turn around and make the playoffs, and then do something in the playoffs, right? Like, I think having a past history of success really means something. And I look at a guy like, you know, Ryan Blaney, I'm more likely to believe that Ryan Blaney could struggle toward the end of the regular season and then suddenly turn it on in the playoffs because of how many years he's got that experience of going through that elimination-style format and because of how close Blaney has come before. But I really think now, if you look at the Cup Series, it's very hard to, A, sustain a two-year period of success, which is what I was talking about with Chase. You know, Chase led the series and wins last year with five, but he started to slump at the end of last year. And, of course, he hasn't won this year. He's had the injury and the suspension. But that's not unusual during the playoff format. We have not seen a driver lead the series in wins in back-to-back seasons under this format. There have been very few drivers, Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, and maybe Joey Logano. Those are really the only perennial contenders every single year that you feel like they can come up and bite and get a championship at any time. I think that there's a lot of roller coastery type stuff that happens with a lot of drivers. And for people that have championship-type seasons like Kyle Larson, the next year is really hard to sustain because the 36-race grind and everything that it takes to get all the way to the championship four and win it, it's almost impossible to not experience a letdown the following year because people are already working on 2024 while you're just trying to focus on winning 2023. So I, I think for Chase, I think he is experiencing, you know, this slump that we've never seen before in his career. And I don't think it's a given that he's going to make the postseason. It certainly doesn't look like he's going to make it on points. So he's going to have to win. And certainly a road course like Watkins Glen coming up would be his best shot. But he hasn't really been the guy on road courses the last year or two. I would argue in the next-gen car, Tyler Reddick has been the best on road courses or maybe even a Kyle Larson. So it'll be interesting to see over the last month plus of the season if Chase can pull it together. Tom Bowles from FrontStretch.com expressing his skepticism about Chase Elliott. NASCAR Bowles, if you want to add him. Trey Lyle VT has expressed skepticism if you want to go at him. And you could jump on us as well. Fast Lane, Ed Lane on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Tom, for this coming weekend at Pocono, is it the Joe Gibbs Racing Show? Is it the Toyota Show? Or do you see somebody lurking back there, whether it's a William Byron or a Kyle Larson, who've been kind of sneakily consistent. Maybe it's a Ross Chastain. His team has done well here previously. Uh, How do you see this weekend in the Cup Series unfolding, other than uh, fingers crossed that it actually is a dry weekend? 
Well, I think first and foremost, we got to take a look at the weather. It's just impacted so much over the past month. And Pocono, I hate to say it, has a history of shortened races or rain in the forecast. So that always jumbles things up. And there's always been a bit of a quirkiness to Pocono the last couple of years. Even some of the doubleheader weekends, you know, you had that race where Kyle Larson had it won, spins on the, you know, hits the wall on the final lap. Alex Bowman ends up getting it. You know, Kyle Busch with a fuel mileage victory, which is a little unusual. So I think it is more of a wild card than people give it credit for. I do think that Toyota is well-positioned to continue their recent success, but you can't overlook a guy like Larson with you know, a bunch of recent success at this type of track, which to me, Pocono is more like a road course than an oval. And you know, if you're looking for somebody that's a total and complete wild card, especially because I do think it has a lot of road course characteristics, take a look at A.J. Allmending. You know, that, that team in Colleague Racing has run better as of late, and not really the run that they wanted at New Hampshire this past race. But I think A.J. is the type of guy that could surprise if some strategy comes into play, you know, if somebody's out there to break the Toyota streak. And, you know, look, we only have 11 playoff-eligible winners at this point in the year. It's a very different year than it was in 2022. So it would be nice to see another potential upset. If there isn't one, if a previous winner reaches victory lane on Sunday, Ed, all those 11 winners, including Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Daytona 500, they walk in their playoff spots already with five races to, still remaining. Tom Bowles from FrontStretch.com here in the fast lane. Tom, let's revisit the part you mentioned at the beginning of that answer, and that is the fact that rain has not been kind to Pocono in recent history. Heck, in recent weeks, it hasn't been good to NASCAR. Three straight races impacted by inclement weather. What, if anything, can NASCAR do about this other than, and I'll praise them for this, the fact that they seem to be making swifter decisions, even if drivers in the garage don't always like that, swifter decisions so that the fans aren't left twiddling their thumbs, waiting around through a rain delay that you know is not going to actually be lifted. I just don't know, Ed, if there is anything that you can do. I think everybody is always looking for the quick fix, right? Everybody just wants things to work out perfectly. And you cannot control when rain comes or how rain impacts a race weekend. I think NASCAR could be a little bit better at you know, making clear when things are postponed, as we saw with the Chicago Xfinity race, and just clarifying you know, their position in certain situations. Certainly I wasn't happy with the way the Xfinity race worked out, those unusual circumstances that made the race official before halfway. But when we look at a race like Loudoun, I, I give NASCAR credit for actually canceling the race early and making sure fans didn't go to the racetrack only to sit there for a couple hours in the rain when there was no chance they were going to get their race in. So I think that NASCAR has actually gotten a little bit better at making those types of calls. But I feel like with weather, you're always damned if you do, damned if you don't. Everybody wants to see a fully completed race within a certain time slot without weather impacting it. But sometimes it's just not possible, and you got to roll with the punches, and you know, we're just in a weather pattern right now, this particular summer, where NASCAR is getting bit more often than not. And next year, maybe we're going to go through a summer where we don't get bit with any race. So it's just the law of averages and sometimes the way the weather pattern holds up during the summer. Well, NASCAR has got to be hoping that there's no weather pattern that keeps the potential rain on Friday at the track Saturday and Sunday because it looks like it's supposed to clear out on Saturday and Sunday at Pocono. Uh, But you mentioned it, Tom, and you guys at FrontStretch.com have been doing a really cool series looking back on the history of Pocono Raceways. It's at the 75th anniversary of it. Uh, Is the most iconic event or 
a race and event ever at Pocono, a race that ironically was impacted by rain. And yes, I'm talking about the Jeremy Mayfield uh, rattling his cage moment of Dale Earnhardt Sr. on a Monday, June 19th, 2000. I remember it well because I happened to be in my late grandmother's living room and she watched in horror as Dale Earnhardt Sr. told Jeremy Mayfield he was number one. And uh, yes, even as a senior fan, gave me a lot of amusement, especially under the circumstances. Absolutely. And you look back at that, and I don't think anybody really understood at the time how iconic a moment that was going to be. I think Dale Earnhardt, that being one, you know, one of his final races, right? Like, within a year, Dale Earnhardt was taken from us. And I think that was the last moment of Earnhardt's aggression in a different way. Like, we always talk about, you know, hey, Talladega, how Earnhardt, for his final win, moved from 18th to 1st in the final five laps, right? But we talk about the bump and run, either Earnhardt bumping someone or him getting bumped, right? Because that was Dale Earnhardt's way of moving through the field. He was going to rattle you if you didn't move over and he was faster than you and couldn't you know, really find a way around you. He, he knew how to rattle you but not spin you out so you, he could just make his way through. And for it to be on the other foot, right, like – that was so unusual during the career of Earnhardt was what was so impressive about that. And, you know, we never really got to see, unfortunately, if that rivalry would keep building because, you know, within a year after that, Dale was taken from us. But, you know, I really think that that added to the legacy. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those moments that really encompasses what Earnhardt's career was all about, right? Even though, you know, at the end of the day, he's on the losing end of it, right? Yes, he was. But it's one that also also gives people an idea that, uh, you know, it cuts both ways. And uh, even as an Earnhardt fan, I thought it was a great moment in NASCAR and certainly enjoyed your recounting that. Your colleague Amy Henderson in particular a week or two ago at FrontStretch.com where folks can go to check out her article and all the great work, including those of our current guest, Tom Bowles from FrontStretch.com. Tom, we really appreciate your time today in the fast lane. Thank you much, and uh, good luck with your patience as well as uh, you get more of a dose of Trey Lyle, much like I do over the next few weeks. Yes, I'll be sure to lead him. I just don't know what way he's going to step. Our pleasure. Tom Bowles with us here in the fast lane. Uh, When we come back, Phil Steele talking college football. An overview of that here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. 